This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. All right. Greg Melita. Thanks, Thanks for, for doing this. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're here at uh, Hamptons Jiu-Jitsu in Southampton, New York, and uh, really excited to be talking to you about business jiu-jitsu. Uh, you are a true entrepreneur. Thank you. Yeah. Um, not only have you created this amazing school, but you've got other businesses going on. And uh, it's been really, not only am I grateful to have a jiu-jitsu academy in Southampton, <laughs> um, but uh, just watching how you've developed this school, built such a unique culture is really something that's uh, really impressive. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work, and, uh, but we're happy where it is. So. Yeah. So tell me about your come up in martial arts and jiu-jitsu. Uh, well, I actually started in uh, karate, and through family, friends, I put my head down, and I actually, it's funny, I received my black belt in karate in the jiu-jitsu school that I wound up getting my black belt in, too, um, because I started in 1999 with Kyoto, right. um, but within Kyoto, there was a little space that my, at the time, karate instructor rented from. And I received my black belt in the jiu-jitsu school, and I always passed by saying, I'm definitely going to do jiu-jitsu. Uh, you know, having wrestled in high school too. Mm. So I came up through uh, Kyoto for all my belts. I wound up getting my black belt in 2013. Yep. Um, so a long time, definitely. Uh, really good training. You know, uh, I got, I started with Grandmaster Mansour, who is, you know, world renowned uh, red belt from Helio Gracie. Yes. And um, one of his uh, black belts, actually, I started uh, with him when he came. Uh, to help Master Mansoor in, I believe, 2004 time, and wind up doing most of my training with him, and then getting my black belt from both him and Grandmaster Mansoor in 2013. Wow. So that's really great. Yeah. Um, I, I really didn't even know what jujitsu was <laughs> in 1999. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I grew up on Long Island, mm. like you. I grew up in the Five Towns, uh, an area right by JFK. And there's a, a town where my office is today in Lindbrook. And on Sunrise Highway in Lindbrook, there is a Rodrigo Gracie mm. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy <laughs> that I used to drive by all the time. And when I was in high school and I guess early college, um, I thought that that was like a capoeira school. I didn't <laughs> even know what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu yeah, was. Yeah, Brazilian, you would say yeah. capoeira. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, the first time that I really started to understand what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was truly was watching The Ultimate Fighter on FX mm -hmm. and getting into the UFC. Oh, and that was the <laughs> yeah, the first for me was the movie Choke. Everybody was passing that around at the, uh, at the old school yep. in 2000. That's a, what a movie that yeah. is. <laughs> if anybody hasn't seen Choke, go mm -hmm. on YouTube. It's for free on there. It's a, Chronicles, Hicks and Gracie's oh, yeah. come up and, whoa, that's a good school. Yeah. So you had a really in early introduction to martial arts through yeah. karate. Yeah. And um, you're, you're very lucky. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have that same, uh, that same path. I found jujitsu. I started jiu when I was 24 years old. Mm. Uh, today I'm 34 years old. Going to be 35 soon. Yeah, I think I was 16 or so, you know. And then with the karate, that was like, it was like a family thing. Kind of like how the Gracie's say, it's just like a family affair, you know? Yeah. That's what karate was for me, so it was special, yeah. yeah. Was your father a martial artist? He started, uh, that's, he actually brought me to that, that whole karate lineage because, you know, he um, did it for a few years with one of the, actually the grandmasters that brought it over, mm -hmm. a style called Ishinryu Karate. And um, the grandmaster of that style lived across the street from my grandparents. So he was like best friends with my grandfather. So that's what it was, you know, it wasn't like, going to a commercial school, you know, yeah. and like signing up and all that. It was just, oh, first lesson in the living room, you know, right. something like that. But, uh, but yeah, it was special. And then I went through and did a lot of competitions and, uh, you know, 
just uh, a, a real special opportunity. Yeah. Were you ever middle school, high school, college wrestling? Any? Yeah, I actually I wrestled in seventh grade for a little bit, um, and then I had gotten to karate in like eighth grade, ninth grade, and then all of a sudden eleventh grade, you discover the UFC, and you're looking at it, and I'm like, man, I gotta. It's like my last two years of high school. I gotta do it. Yeah. You know. So I wrestled varsity eleventh and twelfth grade, and it was uh, that was something that helped shape you know me and grappling because my training partner for both years was. Three, or, I believe three or four times state champion at the time, uh, Rob Vaccaro from East yeah. Iceland. Yeah. So I'm not sure if he was three or four times state champion, but getting tossed around by him uh, in the wrestling room and other guys like Rohan Murphy, who we've had in here as well, um, came through East Iceland wrestling, and uh, that was like that kind of helped shape my grappling interest. You know. Yeah. Where did you uh, go to school? Uh, I graduated East Iceland in '02, and then I went uh, straight to St. Joseph's College in Patchogue. And I graduated there with a bachelor's in computer information systems and uh, business management in 06. Did you go into the working world or did you I go did. Right I went straight in. And uh, so that was, yeah, I was still training heavy, you know, yeah. um, but I went straight into sales because I figured just get some sales experience. Yeah. And I actually worked for a company called PPG, which does uh, contracting like paint for, um, they had like a contract with Lowe's. They have contract with local contractors in the area. So I was assigned to all of the Lowe's. And we traveled like 13 accounts all over from Jersey and Manhattan and driving all over with a company car. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's three, I did three years of that, a work experience. I got to the point where I was offered a regional manager position. And I was like, is this really what I want to do? Yeah. Then I got into the fitness industry and uh, got my personal training certification, um, my Parisi Speed School certification, CrossFit certification. And I uh, got heavy into the fitness industry all the while training. And I was a brown belt at the time. And then getting my black belt, it was like, all right, you know, now it's like, wow, I can really do something with jujitsu. Because there's a lot of guys that open schools in the lower belts, which is totally fine. But I just felt like, man, I'm, I'm a black belt. I gotta, I gotta, I'm relatively young. I got to do something, yeah. you know, with, with doing jujitsu. Um, and then I wound up uh, through meeting a gentleman named Benicius at Kyoto. Mm -hmm. And um, through him and Milton, they had set me up with going to uh, work into, um, at the Ross School. Yes. So at the Ross School... They, uh, it's in all the way in East Hampton. So from East Islip to East Hampton, that's, you know, I don't know, an hour and a half, you know, yeah. something, and, and without traffic. Yeah. Uh, so I started working there after doing a few years in the fitness industry, and I was the fitness coach at the Ross School. Yeah, the Ross um, School is a, a, a very prestigious private and boarding school out mm -hmm. here in the Hamptons. Yep. And uh, incredible reputation, really beautiful, small student population. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to boarding school in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. And uh, I had a great boarding school experience. And I think my mom would have appreciated it if I was at the Ross School. <laughs> she used to tell me, you know, I was all the way up in Massachusetts. But it's great, great to have that out here. Yeah, I mean, and then within doing that, realizing that there's no jiu-jitsu out here. Mm. You know, so I had the opportunity through doing the fitness training there to do some private lessons in jiu-jitsu, get to meet people, see their interest in jiu-jitsu. And uh, that's kind of like the, the start of everything out here, you know? Yeah. Well, I started doing jiu-jitsu in 2009. Uh, my parents have a, a house in West Hampton Beach. Okay. I also have a business in West Hampton Beach. One of my 10 stores is in West Hampton. Oh, it's, our, okay. it's only open from May to <clears throat> September, the beginning of September, really May to August. It's got to be seasonal, yeah. It's very seasonal. And on a square footage basis, it's our best performing store when it's open. Uh, this, the town, as you know, it swells up. Oh, Everybody yeah. comes out here in the summer, and then mm -hmm. it, it's way more challenging in the uh, in the winter. And even though we pay rent for the whole year, mm. it's really only 
the summer where we do. And that's one of the business. biggest factors of, of there not being jujitsu out here for a long time. Yeah. And so for all the years that I used to come out here and I was coming up through my white belt, my blue belt, I would always look for jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there was a Kyoto kind of like not really in the Hamptons, kind of yeah. driving back towards the city. And uh, one day I'm, I'm driving down Sunrise Highway over here, 27. And I said, Hamptons jujitsu. There's, ju- there's jujitsu in the Hamptons. <laughs> and uh, I, went, I wasn't, went on social media and followed you guys. I guess this was about two summers ago that you mm-hmm. opened up, right? Yep. So, um, following you guys on social media, I'm in the city, and I'm driving out here, and I see that Eddie Cummings is just casually here, like on a Friday afternoon, and on the social media training. So I look at my wife, and I say, I gotta go get there, right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And I I speed out here on a a Friday afternoon from my office to try to catch Eddie Cummings. Mm. There was like five people on the mat, and you got one of the world-class Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fighter just hanging out. So I, I pull into the parking lot, and I walk in, and one of your, he was, he's a purple belt now, but he's a blue belt at the time, Chris, mm-hmm. you know, Chris, oh, yeah. he, I said, where's Eddie Cummings? <laughs> and he goes, oh, you just missed him. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I said, I, but I think he'll be back tomorrow. Mm. So um, I woke up the next day early, Saturday, and I came, I came to your open mat, and it was at that open mat that I met Rich Byrne, mm-hmm. who was teach, teaching the class that day. And, wow. um, you know, that really was my introduction to Hampton Jiu-Jitsu. But what, what I found was more than really just a regular Jiu-Jitsu school, what you mm. built here is really special. The, the people that you have coming through here is, um, it's, it's unbelievable. On your wall of fame over there is just a who's who of the professional, uh, professional fighters, incredible black belts, just really, really great people. How did you put that together? Yeah, I mean, that's, that kind of was the vision from the start. I mean, the name itself, Hampton Jiu-Jitsu, is, is just very inclusive. It doesn't put up, like, say, uh, you know, a team flag. That kind of connotation is, you know, only the guys from this team uh, can train here. I mean, you know, that's not the case more so nowadays. People can walk into other teams. But I just think the name itself was inclusive, and I think that played a big role in that. Yeah. And, you know, the vision was to be, it doesn't matter what uh, affiliation you're a part of. You've got something special to give. Um, you know, you, you come in with uh, respect and, you know, it just doesn't matter where you're from. We want, to, we want you to come in. We want you to share what you know, what you have, and it's just going to build, you know, the community from there. So with that founding kind of mentality, I believe it's gotten to us uh, to where we are now because that's, I believe there's a balance. It's got to be a balance, you know. Like in my fundamentals class, it's still all of the old school fundamental basics, which, you know, it's a little confusion nowadays. People think that all this new school stuff is, is – uh, is doing new school techniques without learning the old stuff. You can't have the new without the old. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think too many people think that, oh, this new stuff, they're not doing the old stuff. And all the I got news for you. All the guys that are amazing today yes. doing new school stuff, they have all their basics down. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? They are not able to just do flying arm bars on day one. Yes. So I, the balance that we created here, like we have our gi classes, we have our no gi classes. In the gi classes, it's traditional. It's IBJJF. And in, in the fundamentals class, it's, it's, it's basic stuff. In the no-gi classes, you know, I bring in the guys that are leg lock specialists. And, I mean, it depends on what rule set you're fighting in. Yeah. So it's all about balance. You know, it's not to say that there's a lot of politics to deal with when you're trying to achieve balance. Yeah. But that's, that's our goal. Well, I have a lot to unpack there because we just went through some, like, three incredibly important <laughs> things. Um, the first thing is uh, the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. When I started doing jiu-jitsu, I was not allowed to train no-gi for the first two years almost. Wow. It just was the time. Mm-hmm. At the time, that was... It was had you had to learn the fundamentals of 
guard passing and gripping and grip breaking um, and just all of your basic fundamental jujitsu. Mm -hmm. Before I was invited into the no-gi class, that was an advanced class. Yeah, yeah. Um, today, that's not the case. It's, it's more relaxed even in, even in my school. But uh, I always feel so grateful that I was put in that direction mm. because I feel like I, I, I really developed a solid fundamental game. And that is one of the most important things that I tell people about business. Mm -hmm. It's like in business, and we briefly chatted about this right when, when I walked in before, yeah. um, it's so important to just get the fundamentals right. There's so many small little things that people just miss in business. Mm -hmm. I'll give you one, this is just an example. And something that you've done beautifully is your signage. You have a beautiful, uh, recognizable sign mm -hmm. that really speaks so much about your business. Young entrepreneurs, even old entrepreneurs, come to me for advice all the time because mm. they know that I've, I've been successful in business. And I'll say, okay, well, and, and I visit either their school or their business, and they'll have some rinky-dink banner sign. It's broken and chipping. It's not lit. And the first thing I'll say to them is, how are people going to find you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're driving down the road. You're not going to be able to see the business. And they'll say, well, I couldn't afford to get the sign. And I'll look at them straight in the eye and say, you can't afford not to have a sign. That is as fundamental as it gets. Mm. Yeah, people don't realize that that, I think, was one of the biggest missteps. You know, it's spot on what you're saying. Because when I actually worked at a, a gym up island, they had like top-notch facility. And when mm -hmm. I ran that part of the facility, the facility sold itself. You know what I mean? Like, so that's like a huge part. I think a lot of people, and especially people that are looking to open up a school, you know, they want to just spend the minimum amount of dollar to maximize their, their revenue mm. and their profit margin. But, I mean, in the beginning, the most important thing is, is, is your appearance and your presentation. Yes. You know, so you got to, I mean, you know, you, you got to do all you can to put your investment into your presentation first. Yeah. You know? I, in my, in, in, the, in our business, we call that cleanliness and friendliness. Mm. And the first time that I walked into your gym, I eat, I said, this is, it's a little different. I mean, you've been in a lot of, a lot of gyms. Yeah. Uh, when you've got a smelly, <laughs> it looks like, you, oh man, I don't know if I want to go mm -hmm. in this place. Uh, Even the ergonomics of a place, like when you walk in, if you got to travel, you know, around to, you know, get to the locker room and back and you don't even realize how much that plays mentally on, on people walking in your door. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you built a really beautiful academy here. Uh, I want to bring it back also. So, you know, as important as the fundamentals are, the marketing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you have a knack for marketing. Mm -hmm. um, you, we didn't get into this yet, but you're the marketing director for Kasai, mm -hmm. the you know, premier grappling organization, uh, and probably the, I would say, top contender for the one that's gonna be maybe the ultimate survivor. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you become the marketing director? Uh, well, I actually, just from just the love of jiu-jitsu and training, you know, having a knack for social media, um, I just happened to start a page, uh, Jiu-Jitsu Motivation, it's mm -hmm. called, it's on Facebook and Instagram, and just building it up over the, the last few years and, you know, getting uh, trial and error and learning on how, what not to do, what to do, you know, hashtags, the timing of the posts and things like that, kind of got me into the whole social media marketing world and um, learning on my own doing that um, up until the point when we had the school and we built the school, <clears throat> uh, meeting the CEO of uh, Kasai, Rich Byrne, before even Kasai, you know, became about, he walked into our doors at our old location, our original location, and, you know, I'm sure he's, t he's told the story, but he's an avid paddleboarder, just happened to be out in the Hamptons that day because he has a house out here, 
fell in the water, got attacked by this swan, crazy story. <laughs> Comes walking in, his shirt's dripping. He's like, hey, I saw Hamptons Jiu Jitsu. Uh, I just, I fell off my paddleboard, but you know, if you have a rash guard, I'm like, yeah, 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 awesome, man. You know, he's like, I'm a black belt from Henzo's, you know, can I come in and train? He's like, I own, I own a school in the city. I'm like, great. And then we just started training and it was just an organic relationship from the start. Months go by, just, you know, having a great time training with him, learning from him. And uh, he says, hey, you know, I'm starting this uh, professional jiu-jitsu organization called Kasai. You know, I see what you're doing with jiu-jitsu motivation. And, you know, would you like to come on board and help us out? You yeah. know, because in the beginning, I didn't, I wasn't just hired right away by Kasai. Like, yeah. I went to the shows, I helped them with the social media. And then one thing led to another about a year or a little less of them being an organization. I got invited to come on board officially. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I gave you credit for my own in understanding how Kasai works, just, you know, having a friendship with Rich, mm. you're like a one-man media organization. <laughs> uh, when these events go down, and not only the events go down, but also for Hampton Jiu-Jitsu, you have a knack for covering it in, in a way mm -hmm. that builds a lot of excitement. Is that something you just learned on the fly or that you studied? I mean, how did you develop this knack for capturing these moments? Um. I mean, just, I, I got to give credit to, you know, my upbringing and, and, and my parents and everything like that because, you know, they just really exposed me to a lot and uh, just dealing with people a lot kind of helped shape how I, you know, can see different opportunities like that. Mm -hmm. um, but with the, you know, different marketing things here, I mean, I believe word of mouth and social media right now are the best two things for any business. Mm -hmm. But having said that, I just... I did all of the old school marketing as well, just to say I did it and to see and track the results. Mm. That's newspaper, that's, you know, flyers. Yeah. I mean, that's, we even did a great 4th of July parade. We had a float. We rolled out the mats. The kids did stuff, you know, a thousand in, people. In the village of Southampton? Yeah, Southampton, yep. 4th of July parade. Like, you know, grassroots, old school stuff like that is it, it, great. Um, but I made sure, at radio, I did radio, which yeah. you think about doing radio, <laughs> yep. which, you know, didn't see much results with that, but I wanted to do it just to prove not only my point, but just right. so I could say I did it. Sure. You know, so I'm not thinking, oh, maybe I should try that. Um, but definitely social media, word of mouth. I mean, if you're running, if you have the right intentions and, and you're doing things the right way in, in, in your heart, uh, things will follow, and I believe that's what we, what we achieved. Yeah. No, you tapped into something over here in the Hamptons. Uh, of course, Rich Byrne being the CEO of Kasai, Eddie Cummins me, being a world-class athlete, Conor McGregor really, I think, you know, I, I, that was one of the ways I noticed you also. Mm -hmm. He stopped by here and was training on his come-up. Uh, but I can't state it enough that this is not a pretentious school yeah. by any stretch of the word. I mean, yeah. people that don't come from this area of the Hamptons might just look at the Hamptons as some glitz glamour, but there's blue collar working class people that live out here, mm -hmm. fishing culture, boat culture. Um, and I think that this academy represents a cross section of, of all the people that live out here and work mm -hmm. out here. And when you come on the mats, you got professional athletes, black belt CEOs, painters, hunters, fishermen. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible mm -hmm. the, the culture that you've created over here. Was that intentional or did it, did you foster it and it just kind of happened uh, naturally? Well, I mean, it definitely, it, it's, it's a combination of both because, you know, of my four years of commuting out here and working at the Ross School, like we mentioned, I just envisioned, I had, I, I envisioned every day driving like, man, I'd love to have a school out here. It's just perfect opportunity, you know, like. I think the people out here deserve it. I think the people would love it, mm -hmm. you know. And then I started really thinking about the dynamics of why there wasn't a school. Okay, that makes sense. But how can we come past it? How can we 
um, change that. And, you know, we said it before, like, you know, the best thing, one of the best things for me about having this is I could see on the mats, guys that are on the mat, some guys travel, you know, an hour bus ride from out east. You know, some guys have houses out here, and these guys are on the mats just, you know, there's, nobody knows what everybody does. Yeah. They just know they love jujitsu, and they become right. friends, like, tight, you know? Like, that for me is the best part about it. But, yeah, it was definitely a combination of those things as far as the vision to have that, have people of all backgrounds celebrities coming in how how am i able to have celebrities come in and say wow this is a great place but also still be able to have that high end of a place accessible to everybody right that was kind of like the main the main goal yeah i think that's one of the the most important parts of brazilian jiu-jitsu uh the way that i always say that is it's it's because of the tap it's because it, it is a meritocracy like mm. you only get to a certain level in jiu-jitsu by releasing the ego and understanding that there's almost always somebody who's mm -hmm. going to be better than you, yeah. as good as you, and worse than you, and it is your job to be a good member of that community. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't last. Yeah, exactly. Right? And just like in jiu-jitsu, like, the more you tap, and I've written articles about this, too. It's oh, on my cool. website. Like, the more you tap, the more you learn. I mean, it sounds cliche, but, I mean, in business, too, like, sometimes you've got to learn by trial and error. Of, of course you want to learn from other people's mistakes. But it's not as easy as, okay, everybody's mistakes was this, so I don't do that. No, you mm -hmm. gotta throw yourself in there. You gotta actually make mistakes. But the yeah. quicker you make those mistakes, the more you're gonna be better off. And that's the same thing in jiu-jitsu. When you're on the mat, you're tapping. Oh, that's a mistake, but you learn from it. You know, you have to tap to learn. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I love that. That's perfectly encapsulated. And uh, I wrote about that in my first book. I said, fail quick, mm -hmm. fail often, and learn from your mistakes and move that's on. That's one of the article yeah. titles is yeah. fail more, fail better. I gotta, you gotta make sure you send that to me or point me in the direction of that yeah. so I can. And going uh, back to um, you know Rich Byrne too, like as soon as he walked through the doors, we weren't ready for the amount of techniques and a whole different world of jujitsu that a lot of us you know weren't exposed to. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, Rich came in here and he's really close with Eddie Cummings. That's how Eddie Cummings came down. And then that same first day that you might have just missed Eddie, I believe that that was the day that um, Anthony Bourdain trained with us as well mm, yes it was anthony otavia and eddie came in our old place and all trained with us on the mat i mean yeah. that was to have a you know a guy like him come in as, as laid back and as nice as he was just for the love of jujitsu to come into a brand new school because they you know they live five minutes away i mean that just says a lot um you know and the fact that eddie visits us whenever he's out here yeah but the what i was getting at is the the whole you know when eddie comes in with the whole leg lock game that a lot of us old school guys, you know, never really were exposed to. We've seen it, of course, you yes. know, like all oh, leg locks. But until you train with somebody that is like, you know, on that level, yeah. it's insane. And not only that, but he wasn't just getting us. Everybody thinks he's just a leg lock guy. That's not it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's the combination of you're watching your feet, so then he capitalizes on everything else. Yes. But that's what really, you know, is really special about having, you know, the, the relationship with Rich is, is I mean, we get everybody coming from the city now, driving past, you know, every other Long Island yeah. school to come out here because they know what we're looking to do. It's, you know, the free exchange of information, a rising tide raises all ships, yes. that whole kind of mentality. Yeah, you know? it, it is really amazing. I have a funny story with Rich also. So, Eddie Drote was the driving force to me trying to get here, uh, being that I was so close and mm -hmm. he was there. And just, I, I'm always thirsty for knowledge mm -hmm. and I, I, I am not shy about going up to people, no matter who they are, if mm. it's in business, uh, things I'm interested in. I just want to have these conversations as yeah. much as possible and absorb everything mm. I can. So I came out to meet Eddie. I ended up meeting Rich on mm. the mat, 
and I was about to have a baby at the time. And I said to I Rich, I would, I would love to, I'd love to train with you more often because he was giving this seminar mm. on jujitsu and his technique and the details. And um, he was like, yeah, anytime, you know, so generous with his time. And that was it. And I figured I would see him here and, and I missed him. I knew that he was uh, the former CEO of Deutsche Bank. Uh, I bank with Deutsche Bank. Hmm. So I call my banker up and I say, hey, uh, do you think you can get me Rich Burns' number? And he's like, you mean the, the former CEO? <laughs> he's like, maybe. <laughs> uh, so he, he ended up, he was very good friends with Rich's former college roommate. So he calls up Rich's college roommate to try to get the number for me. Okay, I'm driving out to Hamptons Jiu-Jitsu. And one of my teammates and mentors and really good friends is Matt Cully, okay. who is the owner of Rise mm -hmm. Professional Grappling yeah, Organization. Yeah. And I'm driving out to the Hamptons, and I call the school, and you pick up. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, what's up? I'm coming out, I wanted to see who was training. Are you there, is Rich there? And you're like, yeah, we're actually all going to Rise tonight. And I said, oh, great, I'm actually sponsoring Rise. <laughs> I'm on my way there too. So I dropped my, my brand newborn son off at, at my parents' house, mm -hmm. and I turn around with my wife and drive back to the wherever Rise, I think it's in Massapequa or Manhasset. I show up and I'm looking around for Rich. And I'm like, I gotta go meet this guy again. I gotta go find this guy. So I finally spot him across the room. And my wife always gives me credit for this and says, like, most people would just see the person that they wanna meet and mm. they would just freeze and be like, oh, I'll get him next time. No, no, I ran up to this guy, <laughs> like a kid meeting a celebrity. Yeah. And I was like, Rich, I'm Jordan Edwards. I'm the guy we trained. I was trying to, just getting it out of my mouth. And he's like, Are you the kid that's been like trying to get in touch with me? I was just talking to my college roommate about you. I was like, yeah, I really want to train with you again. <laughs> That's funny. He's like, come on down anytime you want. Um, he's been incredibly generous with mm -hmm. his time. Uh, the thing that I really, I, I wanted Rich to talk about this more, but he's, he's, a, he's a humble dude. Yeah. You know, he does so much. Mm -hmm. and yeah, he's very selfless, you know, uh, with what he does. He's, he, he has like, you know, when, when he's training with somebody or he's talking to somebody, he's, he's truly like listening and truly taking it in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of any, you know, of a more humble guy and a more, you know, real guy for his stature, you know? Yeah, it's, it is really incredible um, to see somebody who's achieved success in so many different realms, whether it be in his career in banking, mm -hmm. um, in the jiu-jitsu world, starting a whole new company and, and get, getting this kind of success. Uh, you, you get to see the habits of what makes people so successful. Mm -hmm. And I see a guy, when I see Rich, um, I see someone that gets up at the crack of dawn, goes for a paddleboard, trains three hours of jujitsu, and teaches. Goes on and has you know this incredible success through so many different levels. And I said, mm -hmm. I, I want, I want some of that. I want that to rub off on me. Yeah. And um, and he just comes here and he'll train for what three hours on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. Sometimes like you know we have the class here on Saturdays. You know, um, we've gotten all so close that sometimes Saturday mornings he's out here on the weekends. There's a crew that will train at Rich's house at eight. I, then they'll all meet here after. Yeah, I've and been, then I've been in that crew. Yeah, I'm very grateful. The to, Sunday uh, morning uh, open mat. They all come the Sunday morning open mat after. It's like it's like a jujitsu you know party out here. It uh, is. It's great. That's a very very good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, you know you've you've made jujitsu and martial arts your career. Mm -hmm. uh, was it scary when you took that that jump? Yeah, that was that was a huge jump. And uh, I mean you know kind of a classic story, but you know. Yeah, being in the workforce, deciding and making a decision that, you know, I want to put my head down and, and be successful in what I want to do. And that's kind of not what, you know, the normalcy of the world is doing. You know, all your friends are getting off uh, married and going off, getting married and having kids and uh, yeah. doing their careers. And, 
and I'm, you know, putting my head down and, you know, more than a few years of that and kind of second guessing yourself, oh, I'm doing the right thing. But it's just, just something in me just knew that it was the right thing. Yeah. And you, sometimes you can't explain it. You yep. know, sometimes you, you're not supposed to explain it. You're right. just supposed to act. Yeah. That's you know, a, that's a good, that's a, that's a really, really good way. Of but you're talking it. about a few years of hour and a half commutes and on these hour and a half commutes, you're just, you know, you have the vision and you're, you know, you're, you're manifesting what you, what you want. I live the exact same experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I commute every day from the city to Long Island, reverse commute. And on those hour drives in the early part of my career was I was going through a breakup. Mm -hmm. I was miserable. I was marinating on how unhappy I was. Mm -hmm. And I, it was the least productive hour commute to and from because mm -hmm. I would get to work and I, would had, I had this mantra that I'd say to myself, everything will be okay by lunch. Mm -hmm. Food was my crutch. <laughs> I was just feeding myself. And then on the way home, I'd say, oh, it's all right. Everything will be okay by dinner. And um, it wasn't until I started reading a lot and it, I started listening to books on tape. Mm -hmm. And I said, instead of just focusing on all this negativity, just start focusing on positive things and yeah. good things and books. And that really is what led me here to, no, to that's, this that's moment. huge. And I think a part of that, kind of what's gotten me here is, you know, I've done a lot of research and, you know, um, and uh, you hear a lot of advice from people in books and whatnot. It's like, oh, you know, positive thinking, positive. And it's, 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 it's good, it's, and it uh, makes sense. But you also got to be realistic. You got to be positive, but not to the point where you're just fake positive and right. just, just you know, shouting out terms that you've heard just to be positive. Like, you got you to gotta be positive, but you got to be realistic at the same time. And, yeah. and there's always a balance there. Um, I think you get off balance with it. I think it? that's why jujitsu is so important. Yeah. Um, because you can have all that positive thinking and energy, but mm. you got to drag, sometimes you got to drag yourself on that mat. Yeah, and there are nights. I, I at my my school, my academy, Budokan, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. Kenzo Gracie affiliate in Limbrook, my sensei is a, a sage, a, a, a true samurai, an incredibly high level black belt, and it's a mile from my school and I'm from my office, and I have to drive past my school to get back home, mm -hmm. and so it forces me. <laughs> That's good. And you know, especially over the past five years, you know, a lot of my teammates would probably say, I live in that gym. I do everything I can to be in that gym as much as possible. And it's because I've got to face it. Mm -hmm. I've mm. got to face that gym and look at it every single time I drive. I don't have a choice. Yeah. And so um, it's not always sunshine and rainbows and positive thinking. You know, I'm motivated to go to jujitsu today. It's like, oh, my ribs, mm. you know, oh, my shoulder. And I just go. It's true. I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, even with the success that, that we've had here, I mean, still one of the outlying things that comes out of it is you're never going to make everybody happy. Yeah. No matter what, no matter what you offer, no matter how perfectly you plan it, uh, you know, there's, there's something to be said about you have to come to terms with the fact that you're just not going to please everybody. Yeah. And if you don't let that determine your attitude, um, you'd be much better off. As long as you still have the right intentions... Yeah. But knowing that you're not going to please everybody, yep. you'll constantly just, uh, you know, become better in, in, in running your business, you know. And I think that's like a trial and error part of it, too. But, like, as long as you're willing to make adjustments, you know, this is one of the things I feel like, you know, um, through trial and error and experience is if you're not willing to make adjustments and you're just going to say, no, my way is the only way, everybody's got to conform to that, well, your business is going to suffer. Yeah. You got to be willing to make mistakes. You got to adjust. Mm -hmm. And then that's the only way you're going to build. Yeah. And if you don't, you're going to see, you know, schools rise and fall. And that's what it is. Can you talk about that actually? Because I've witnessed you do that here. You 
have reprogrammed this space so many different times. Mm -hmm. You keep trying things and you've got the main business and the jujitsu, yep. but you've redone the front area. You've redone the gift shop. You've had two or three co-tenants in the back. I mean, mm -hmm. explain to people, you know, how important it is to keep sticking and moving until you get the right recipe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, from the old place, we started humbly half the mat space that we have now. Um, but it was still, I made it high end as possible. It was clean, like we talked about in the beginning. And, uh, you know, from there we built out to here, which is only a few doors down from where we are, but right up on the wall are the blueprints that I had the vision of the new, what the new space would be. Mm. You know, so from that old space, you're like, okay, you know, well, I, I want this, I want that. And I still remember to this day, I'm on the mats as a purple belt, and I'm like looking around, and I'm like, man, you know, there should be a projector on that wall that shows that we can look up moves. And then years later, you, don't, you know, you got smart TVs. Right. So I got them all over the place to reference moves, you know, like yeah. little things like that that you think to make something better, but then you actually do it. Um, so, you know, having what we have here, you know, the layout, um, it, it's, it's just great. And like you mentioned, we had the co-tenants. We had a great company in here that offered, you know, the cryotherapy, and everybody loved it. And it's just tough to people don't want to be cold in the winter you know yeah. so we moved on to uh now we had a stretching company in here and now to have a brand new partnership with a great security company uh mm. called roman sanford really um, good synergy there yeah you want to talk think, about those guys yeah that's uh, uh a couple of them train here uh luke and dylan and there's three partners also john in there and um, dylan's an ex-green beret and john and luke are local police officers in the community and they provide services for security, um, executive protection, uh, they run their own security licensing, and uh, they train here, and they do also do executive protection as far as uh, courses and self-protection, yeah. things like that. So I think it's the perfect marriage with what we have here, because right in the back, they're gonna be also having their own podcast, they're gonna be doing all their courses right on, right on site here, so we can do a lot of things in conjunction with Hampton's Jiu-Jitsu. That's, that's really great. Um, and you know, just to kind of bring it back to what you were talking about, because mm -hmm. I think it's so important. Um, you're, you're constantly moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know, something doesn't work. You're yeah. not letting it die. Yeah. It's, I come back in here. I was like, wait a second. There was an entire gym over there, mm -hmm. and now there's a podcast. You know, an office yeah. studio. And you know, what's that, funny is this wall that you, you can't see it in the <laughs> video, but there, I'm, I'm facing a wall, yeah. and it's been up, down, up. <laughs> and some people might say, "Oh no, that's, that's, that's no, that's that is what it is all about." That's. I was just gonna say that people say, "Oh, there's a new sign on the wall. What what else is new?" Like, and they look at it as like a negative thing. And I'm like, "No, man, that's the nature of business. How are you gonna?" If, what if I decided to stay with the first thing we had? Yeah. Like, that wouldn't be good. You constantly got to change, constantly evolve. Some people look at that as like a negative thing, but it's only getting better. And now to the point where we're going to have the best marriage as far as, uh, you know, co-tenants in here. And it's like, it's, it's just like we said, you can't please everybody, but you also see other people's views. And you're like, oh, they see it that way. But they don't see it the way I see it because they're just not constantly thinking about change and evolution. And and just getting better. You just, you just nailed it, I mean, that's it. It's, it's being comfortable and unafraid of change. Mm. Change is inevitable, it is happening, and um, as, as a martial artist, it's something that we, and especially jiu-jitsu martial artists, you are forced mm -hmm. to 
to constantly keep evolving and wanting, and wanting that evolution. Yeah. Um, and you say, oh, that's so natural. Of course everybody, why doesn't everybody think that way? But mm -hmm. most people don't want change. Most people fight change. They're very comfortable with the way they are. Oh, I love the way this locker room is set up. Oh, this is the way that I envision my front desk area. Mm -hmm. But um, no, in, in your business here, it's, you're constantly evolving it. Yeah. And, uh, and what I see from, a, from an outsider and from, a, and from a guest who comes and visits all the time is this constant moving forward of, of evolving. It's, mm. it's really good. I'm glad that you brought up change. Yeah. That's what I was, I had it in my mind and it just wasn't, it wasn't there and you yeah. said it. And another thing I can't, I can't avoid saying is uh, a big part of me being as resilient and uh, willing to change is when I was young, I had a, uh, I lost uh, hearing in both of my ears at least 60% due to a medical accident. So by the time I was three, I lost 60% of hearing in both ears. Wow. So I wear hearing aids and that I think being dealt those cards really makes you like, you have, like you said, you have to adjust. Yeah. And it's funny, but people need, like, don't realize, maybe they don't recognize that I, that I wear them or whatever, yeah. but when I'm rolling or competing, I can't be coached. Wow. Think about that. People, yeah. don't, people don't even stop to think about that at all. I had a conversation one time with somebody and, and he was like, uh, I told him the story and he's like, oh, well, just, just go and fight. Then you, know, you don't need a coach. To have that same person come back and say, after one of his fights, oh, if only I had a good coach. You know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> you just don't, like, you have to sit back and, you know, everybody's got their own demons and battles to fight. Yes. But you got to think about that. Like, for me, it, it, it was very tough um, to not be coached ever. You can watch mm. technique, and then you go to roll, and it's just on you, man. Like, wow. you know, that's like, that's, that's, a, that's a huge part of it, but it's constantly always made me resilient, uh, made me double my effort to be on top of everything. Yeah, know? thank you for uh, bringing that up yeah. because, do you like to read? There's a, there's a great book, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan. Oh Hall. yeah, I got, I got it, libraries. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we both got some decent, uh, yeah. decent libraries going. But, a quick funny story, with, yeah, with sure. that, I, I'm pretty sure Rich knew, but we were rolling and you know, here at, when, when we're training, it's, it's a packed house, we got the music going, it's loud, so, most people, when they roll with me, they know they got to they gotta tap me. They can't just turn away and say, tap, tap sometimes, because yeah. I won't hear them, you know? Right. And we were just in an exchange, and I wound up getting a, a heel hook, and then Rich was like, tap, tap. I was like, oh, shit, and, you know, like, went to actually tap me, and yeah. we were just both cracking up, you know? It's just funny. <laughs> you know, when you really get to, to know somebody, it, it, it's special when you have that uh, organic relationship. It is. It really is. Um, there's something about this, these mats and this training that really bonds people together. Mm -hmm. And I have these incredible friendships from, from jiu-jitsu and um, people that I never would have known through the course of, of my life uh, from every single, um, uh, you have every single class from white collar, blue collar, mm -hmm. executives, teachers, nurses, it's, mm -hmm. it's everything. It's such a yeah. cross section and you have this common interest that brings everybody together and, uh, and you're learning together and all these lessons uh, are so applicable to the other things you're doing. I tell mm -hmm. people all the time. One of my one of my good friends who was on the podcast, longtime training partner is Randy Brown from the UFC, and he's what he's done over the course of his career in the UFC has just been an unbelievable. He had this meteoric rise, undefeated, came into the UFC, win, and then he had this loss. Mm. And the way that he came back from that loss, in my opinion, is what defined his career oh, yeah. and and why I think he's going to be so successful because um, that. Can, rush so many people yeah oh yeah but he came back from it 
And, you know, when else am I going to, where am I going to encounter that person in my life as a, as a business person running a woman's fashion company and, yeah. and a real estate company? It's yeah, probably it's true. not. And back to your point, I mean, jiu-jitsu transcends class, yeah. transcends in- income level, transcends race. I mean, everything. It, it's just something that uh, is really special that, you know, more people should know about yeah. and really see uh, what it does. Yeah. And I, I, even, I forgot what I was going to say before, but then it popped back into my head when you said that is... So, so many of these people, they un, they know the lessons. Mm-hmm. If they could apply the lessons of what they've learned in jujitsu and on the mat mm-hmm. to other things in their life, they would have successes across many different industries. Yeah. And I, I love seeing when I, so, the, so Randy, for example, is just starting his business career. Mm-hmm. He's got some money in his pocket. He made his first investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now he's going to start applying these lessons to the business world, mm. and he already is. Yeah, yeah. And just so I, I love seeing that, and that's what this book and this project is all about: is being able to help all these people who have excelled so mm-hmm. far in jujitsu, or maybe so far in nursing, and they have this other thing that they want to do in business. And I'm like, it's the same. It's the same lessons. Apply it. Don't get oh, frustrated because yeah. you don't have immediate success. You're a white belt. Mm. Guess what? You got to show up every single day. It might take you five years, ten years. Yeah, yeah. Don't think you just oh, I started this little business and it didn't work out. It's all the time, you know, t-shirt businesses and um, moving companies mm-hmm. and they want to start a podcast. You just, yeah. have to, you just have to do it. No, it's true. And be a white belt together. Yeah, I can't wait, wait to read your book too. That's going to be uh, yeah. really, really good yeah. to check out. Yeah. Well, thank you for being a part of it. Um, really exciting conversation. You mm-hmm. have some great insights. Uh, I encourage everybody who's going to either watch this, listen to this, or read this book to come visit Hamptons Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, this is a, a really special academy. Um, I, I'm very fortunate enough to train in academies all over the world when I travel for business, mm-hmm. bring my gi and my rash guard everywhere I go, and I always stop in. And this is, this is a special academy. you got really great people here. I love your students. They've been so warm and welcoming yes. to me. Great crew. And um, that's a- absolutely a reflection on you. So. I appreciate it.